Hello and welcome to this special edition series of Youthscape Podcasts. Uh, we're calling them the Girl Deconstruction Podcasts. I'm Martin Saunders and with me as ever, uh, Rachel Gardner. Yes, thank you Martin. Who is the author of yes. new book, The Girl Deconstruction Project. And all this week uh, we're meeting some of your friends mm-hmm. and heroes actually. Mm. Uh, and we're going to be talking to some fabulous women uh, about leadership and life and identity and all sorts of other stuff. Um, which is quite a lot of the stuff that you actually cover in your book. Um, so uh, today's guest is the fabulous Kathy Madavan. Tell us a little bit about her. So Kathy is a writer, an author, communicator, preacher, uh, leadership consultant, and you might have heard her on platforms and places like Spring Harvest and other places. She's got a brilliant book called Digging for Diamonds, mm. um, and she's just hilarious. I think once you've heard her, you don't forget her because she has quite a unique voice. And that's what I love about Kathy is that over the years she's honed a voice that is very much hers. She doesn't fall into the trap of thinking, I've got to do this like men do this. So she's a bit of a kind of a cheerleader and a kind of advance party, really, I think, yeah. for women in leadership. Now let's just talk about speaking on stages, because yeah. it is something you talk about with uh, Kathy, but also, uh, obviously, you have been speaking on mm. conference platforms for... Uh, two decades now, yeah. probably. Gosh, and yes, uh, probably. terrifyingly. <laughs> yes. And uh, and for a lot of that, time, I'd say the situation and the picture is changing for the better now. But for a lot of that time, you were often the mm. only uh, woman on a speaking lineup. Yes. Um, so what was that like in those earlier years? Were you aware that you were in su- in some cases, you know, the only yeah. woman? Sometimes I was. Mostly I wasn't until I would get to the event and then. I would suddenly step into this narrative of, oh, you're the only one. And I think because other women would go, oh my goodness, we're so glad that you're here because we've been at this event for years and we never see women. And so I would sort of step out of the youth work world that I was in where women and men did everything yeah. because of, out of necessity. And I'd step into these places where that felt unusual. So I, so fairly early on, I, I, I initially would just ignore it and think I can't engage with it. And I remember in my 20s absolutely categorically saying to people, I'm not going to come and speak at women's events. I'm not going to speak about women in leadership because I just felt, oh, people want to drag me down into mm. into something that I don't want to talk about. Whereas now I think, no, I really do want to talk about this actually. But at the time, I, it was just too overwhelming. All I could do was get literally physically on the platform and say my stuff and get off. I couldn't cope with the fact that people were pinning on me. This is, we're either going to uh, uh, love women speaking or not based on what you say. Did you ever um, have the, 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 the worst kind of experience, which is a man essentially telling you shouldn't be mm. on the stage. Yes, absolutely. And and invariably before I was preaching um, on social media or direct emails um, or text messages, men would text me and say, this is an abomination that you're speaking. I've, I've had that a few times, it, less as I've got older, because I think interestingly, as I've got older, I think my I sit in my gender a bit more comfortably and probably either can just naturally rise above that kind of nitpicking or actually people don't notice that I'm a woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they see me as a person. It is hard to spot, isn't it? <laughs> so, but I remember in one particular place, just um, being on my... And interestingly, because I was the only woman preaching at this whole conference for this week, 
And because most of the men were from America and had come over with their wives, I felt completely isolated. So at the meal times, I was sat with women who were there to support their husbands. Mm. And so they didn't quite know what to do with me because I didn't have my husband there. <laughs> I was just there in my own right. Mm. Um, and then I'd be kind of put in accommodation sort of away from these couples. And then I was dealing with this stuff on social media. And then I was about to preach. And I remember it, it was in that time I was like, Lord, either I'm doing this because you've asked me to, or I have to walk, but it was a, a very much a, it was a humbling process because mm. I, I just had to say, Lord, this, this has to be, I'm, I'm, I, I have to believe in this moment, even though I'm feeling terrified mm. that, that you've made this possible for me and you, you're making mm. a way. And I would love not to mess it up so that other women get the chance to, yeah. but actually just in this moment, all I can do is just say what I think you've put on my heart to say. So I think it's made me quite over prep everything, mm. second guess myself quite a bit, and I've had to kind of unlearn some of that. I remember, this is confession time, but I remember being involved in conference planning meetings maybe 12, 15 years ago, where where people were actually saying, oh, we need, we definitely need a mm. woman on the mm. main stage. You know, we've got maybe five or six main stage speakers at the, mm. at the main sessions at our conference. We've got, we need to make sure we have a woman. Uh, <laughs> Do they know who women were? They it's don't. like an alien breed. There was a picture it? on the wall. Um, <laughs> it's like a reference point. Yeah, yeah, one of those, one of those. strange people that we're scared <laughs> of. Um, but it's changed, hasn't it? It yeah. has changed for the better. And I think you've definitely been a part of that. Of, of blazing a trail and, and opening the door a mm. bit wider. Why do you think? What? Why do you think in general things have changed? Is it just the church is catching up with culture, or or actually have there been really proactive forces in uh, in pushing the agenda of you know women having a bit of parity in these platforms, or or is something else going on? Is there a move of God? I think probably it's all of those, I guess. And, I, and I, I'm hesitant to sound like I know the answer because I don't. And I think actually men like you, Martin, have made it absolutely, have made massive strides that because it's also the men who choose to open that platform space up as well. Actually, if, you know, and I think that's, we've done this together, that's been good. But I do think, A, often the church is behind society's move to speak out against injustice. So we often are catching up. So I think that we've quickly realised actually there is an injustice here. If, mm. we, if we do believe that we have equal access to God and we stand before God as we are mm. and we are, we are to sort of speak of our own accounts, then actually it's important that women and men can both fulfil what God's called them to. I also think it's the fruit, isn't it? I think Jesus says it is by their fruit that they'll know you're my disciples. And I think we've also realised that what sometimes shifted our view of whether women can be in leadership or not is actually this woman, when she speaks, God does stuff. Mm. And I think because actually lots of leaders, that what they want more than anything is for, for their congregations to hear God's spirit. And so they get Paula Gooder and go, oh my goodness, not only can she mm. teach the Bible, but you know, when stuff happens and, mm. and actually that will massively shift your view. Well, so I think there's been a combination of things. So yeah. I think there have been some pioneering women in the generation above me, the Elaine Storkies of this world. Um, I think I'm the next generation. And I think because the second generation can kind of def- speak a little take a few more risks, I think, and yes. say, no, unless you book another woman, I'm not coming. Because yeah. I think I don't want to be the only woman. I want there to be lots of women when I'm speaking. And last mm. year at New Wine, the, the night that I was preaching at New Wine, it was women on all mm. the main stages. Mm. Mm. Um, and they hadn't planned it like that. It just so happened. I thought, mm. that's so exciting mm. Mm. that it's women across the board and no one seems too faced by that. It's really exciting. And it's 
good to recognise the work of people like Natalie Collins mm. and Hannah March. Absolutely, and there's, yes. a, there's a whole group of, of people who've actually, at some personal cost, uh, you know, have actually really pushed to make sure that this is taken seriously. Mm. And it is being taken seriously. I think the word of caution I would, I would add is we can't think now this has changed, culture has changed. No. It hasn't. It's changing. Yes. But still, if you look at the, the gender split on yes. conference platforms, which we're yes. really calling about here, and certainly church stages, mm-hmm. and particularly big church sp- stages, you yes. know, senior big churches, church senior yes. church leadership, is still male-dominated. Yes. And if we let it, I think the tendency will always be to creep back to what mm. we know. And, uh, and and the, the sort of white male voice will, mm, will, will dominate get, again. Will, will dominate. And I think that's a good point that you make. And I think there have always been women all throughout church history who have been uh, well-known missionaries, church planters, preachers, teachers. And it hasn't changed. It's interesting to think that these women... Gladys Aylwards of this world have not shifted um, church Christian views around women and men's sort of equality because I think sometimes what we what we say is well we're obviously pro women because we've got one preacher on the platform so they think that having one speaker or or you know in the back in the day the 19th century Gladys Aylward or whatever is is the same as saying actually all women are released in God's call Mm, in their life mm. and that's what Natalie has done so brilliantly with the project that she's run is saying it's not enough to have one woman on a platform um, because actually what they found in their research was that almost irrespective of whether a denomination or a conference said we believe in women leadership, um, there wasn't very little difference between those that said, no, we don't, but we've got one woman. And those that said, yes, we do, but we've also only got one woman. Actually, yes, you need yes. to be really intentional. I think Youth at Summit was one of the first conferences that had 50-50 and you really went after it, you and Chris and Matt, didn't you? So actually we really want this to be demonstrating very loudly we're not just saying it we actually mean it and we're going to work flipping hard to find those incredible women who might not have ever been given a platform but we absolutely will give that and I think so those things make a massive difference now I I don't imagine our core demographic listenership for this podcast will be entirely male I think Mm. we may have more female listeners than men but if you're listening as a guy I think I think the truth is this will never change Permanently, this will never actually change until men own this as well and want this change as well. And so, I think that there's a real chance to us as guys to put our uh, to to put our money where our mouth mm. is in terms of you know uh, if you are somebody like me who who might occasionally be asked to speak on a platform mm. somewhere, um, you need to be asking the mm. questions about uh, gender equality and and, and and how exactly Absolutely. the conference approaches that but also I think you know if you're going to a conference if you're going to an event if you attend a church if you're not raising these questions as a man ultimately forever then only half of the population is ever going to want anything to change and it's in the the workplace as well it's not just on Christian conferences but all across the board where where are the barriers to women being able to kind of uh, but my worry to be be brutally honest right now uh, my worry is that we still have a culture where guys find safe spaces that they can retreat to and have that quiet, knowing conversation. Oh dear, the women. Eh? Easy. Hey? Well, I wouldn't the know. If I, in the sense, I've never been. No, we, we don't to let that, you in so those. Exactly. That's because yeah. we have curry nights and you have a nice, you know. But then you have a breakfast. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I absolutely, I'm an absolute advocate of, of gender equality, and we need to absolutely speak against the oppressive. 
and oppression within gender that holds men and women back, particularly holds women back, because that's kind of ancient, isn't it, age old. But also, I think there are opportunities when actually people might want to gather with certain groups, and that's okay as well. I don't think that is an issue. No, that's fine. Yeah. But the problem is when you see that as a that kind of context then legitimizes okay the 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 off the record Mm. conversation Mm -hmm. where you go oh women eh? yes all the decisions that are made isn't it well that also happens decision places that also happens horrendous so we don't we can't do that guys gotta stop doing that Mm -hmm. girls don't gather you know around talking about men (laughs) well maybe they do Maybe you've got some well, stuff you need to stop. Well, to. we do, but it's an interesting thing, isn't it? What films do you watch where the women, their conversation is, is, is not, let's talk about the men who are not in the shot. So men oh, well, are somehow yeah. always in the scene, yeah, whether yeah, it's yeah. women talking about them or they're kind of the front and centre. So that is, how does that get played out in church? It's really significant. Anyway, we could talk about this for hours. We could, but why, Kathy. Why don't you introduce our guest yes, for today? Yes, Kathy Madavan. So, um, Kathy, love Kathy, jumped in the car, went down to see Kathy, and I'm going to say very little else because she says it The Girl Deconstruction Podcast. Brilliant. Well, I, um, I've driven all the way down in my little car down the motorway and I'm in Cathy Madavan's house. By the seaside. <laughs> and I'm totally fangirling in. In fact, I went, I don't That's know if I told you this, I went to the toilet and I took a photo of your toilet door. Did you? <laughs> That's borderline stalker. <laughs> Very strange. I've written messages and I've hidden it like in drawers. Now have I? Now have I? <laughs> photo of the back of your toilet door is it is a very nice toilet door thank you but you've got this picture on the back of the door that says be courageous and it's a big lion yes why have you got a picture <laughs> on the back of your toilet door i mean like what state are you in when you go to the <laughs> toilet and you need to look at that it's actually we've got a church motto every year or a verse or a motto and that was our one for last year that i have failed in my bad <laughs> housekeeping to take down and replace with this year's so we're still being courageous even though the rest of the church has moved on yeah <laughs> So, but actually, you know, what better time to have a little think about things (laughs) than when you're sat meditating and actually I was sat there because I was like because I just arrived and was like I'm in Kathy Madman's house and I need the toilet which always feels like a bit of a letdown like I've arrived <laughs> and I now go and have some time on my own and I sat in the loo and looked at that and then realised oh no I haven't locked the door so then Kathy might come in watching you being courageous <laughs> so anyway I now need to kind of like enough toilet talk back. yes <laughs> so Kathy um you are an author, you're a communicator, a speaker, a kind of a leadership consultant. Like, t- tell us in a nutshell, like, what are some of the things that, that we might know you for? Where might we read some of your stuff? And... Yeah, I think I'm <laughs> one of those, I'm like, like one of those jack of all trades, yes. master of none kind <laughs> no. of. You know, I just think actually as a woman, Rachel, you know, when I had kids fairly young, yeah. and although I felt really called to leadership and ministry really really young um you know mark got employed my husband mark got employed in a church and and i ended up being a mum really quite young so then you just end up patchworking Mm. this this life together of things like oh a bit of worship ministry here a bit of pr there a bit of speaking there and then a bit of writing there and then suddenly some of those things begin to grow and develop as your your children get older and your capacity gets greater um again and so yeah this last few years i've been able to do more writing and that's Mm. been brilliant and being able to say yes to more speaking. So Care for the Family are a big part of my life. I do a lot of touring, speaking for them. They're an amazing charity, stand alongside all kinds of people. Spring Harvest has been a, a massive part of my last 10 years and speaking at New Wine and other conferences and churches and, and also coaching, just coaching young leaders, coaching communicators, um, mentoring in, in different ways and just kind of 
helping, just coming alongside mm. people. I gave myself, in, in my not having a title, because I don't work for anyone, I've given myself a title, Brilliant. and that is Chief Cheerleader. Oh. So I like that. So I kind of think, well, good. if I can just come alongside people in whatever context I'm in and go, great job, I love mm. what you're doing there, I love that about you, and, you know... That's that's brilliant. That's my job. Title. I've ex- I've experienced that because you are you absolutely are a chief cheerleader. That's brilliant. You also do it, Kathy, from a platform. You're, you're one of these women who um, you use your platform in such a powerful way that includes everybody. And I think as a church, we feel cheerled by you every time we hear you speak. That's as a well. nice thing to say. That's really good. So I'm now rubbing your arm. Oh, thank you, Rachel. But I'd like to talk to you a little bit about this because the, the book that um that is coming out at the end of this week is the Girl Deconstruction Project, which you very kindly read. Which is I was absolutely like, brilliant. Oh, I love it. I, I sent it to you. I was like, Kathy, can you read it? It'll only take you five minutes. I know. But <laughs> the thing is, I mean, I thought I was just going to skim read it and I got oh, completely absorbed. Oh, it's brilliant. You. Oh, thank you. That's that's very kind of you. That's very sweet. Um, and uh, each chapter ends with kind of deconstructing a kind of a lie or a ex- false expectation. I mean, how how have you done that in life? How have you like first of all identified like some of the barriers that people might put on you, whether it's around your gender or because you're a mum or because you're a pastor's wife, when it's so obvious that you have leadership just oozing out of you. How how have you first of all identified some of those and then deconstructed them? Well, I think for me, you've just hit the nail on the head because what you've done there is mention a few different roles (laughs) that are immediately stereotyped. Mm. And I think for me, who feels like I haven't fit any of the right stereotypes, you know, I just haven't... I, I'm not a mumsy mum. I I have I'm the most useless pastor's wife. I've got no pastoral skills. I am not great with flowers. I can't bake. I burn everything. So you know, I kind of you know I'm brutally blunt sometimes. I Mark says that I go away speaking because it's damage and imitation on his part. It gets me out of the scene. And stops me causing chaos. Um, but actually, many of those things, Rachel, I feel like. You know, in my life, I've been too much of this or right. not enough of that. And I think most of the women who I know have felt this limiting yeah. of stereotypes. You know, if you are assertive, then you are bossy. Right. You know, if you are nurturing, then you're a mumsy figure. If you're sensitive, then you're overly emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're organised, then you're, you know, over, you're standoffish. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that immediately, as soon as you look at some attribute that you might have as a leader, then there is a, there is a female stereotype that comes with that. Mm. Um, and that can be really, really difficult to, you, to fight you against. Felt like you felt you've had to kind of really weighed against the flow so the moment people put you in those boxes yeah I think um I think well first of all I think and I've told this story many times so for those who haven't heard it before then that you know your new new audience hello um (laughs) but Mark when he went for his first job when we left Bible college um he left Bible college I wasn't at Bible college and we he went for his first job in a Baptist church so you spend all weekend with him talking and being fabulous and me standing next to him smiling and going, isn't he marvellous? You must hire him. And then a few days later, the church meets, votes, decides yeah. if you're nice and, you know, gives you the job, hopefully. Well, in this case, we did all of that and they phoned and said, actually, we can't give you the job. And we were like, well, okay, some feedback would be great. Mm. And eventually, after teasing out of them, they didn't want to give the feedback, but eventually they said, it's, it's your wife. You know, she's too loud. 
she's too talkative, oh, she's clearly insecure. Oh my goodness! And then they said, while you are married to Kathy, we think you ought to reconsider your call <gasps> into ministry. Oh my goodness! And I know. How, I mean, how old were you? I was 22. 22. Oh I mean, my goodness, that's crushing. I know. That's a lie, and it's crushing. Well, it's a lie, but like most people, you know, I have my own massive amount of baggage from yeah. my own upbringing that I was still working through. Oh gosh. And actually, all of this stuff yeah. was coming up in me. I am too much. I'm precocious. I'm this, and I'm that, and people don't want to be with me. And it was all that kind of stuff came flooding back and I remember thinking then and I've preached on it a million times since that I think what struck me Rachel is that just as we've got a God who like loves us and has mm. made us and is for us we just also have an enemy who mm. frankly yes. if he could neutralise our strengths yes. and convince us that they are not true that yes. my communication skills my personality and my marriage are a hindrance mm. and not actually you know assets mm. And there are always downsides to our assets. There's always bits of our personalities and our strengths that are our weaknesses as, as mm. well. I know that's true, obviously. But I already, I immediately thought, I am not cut out for this. <sighs> you know, I am, I am just not, not the right kind of person to, to live in this context, to be in this goldfish bowl, mm. um, to stand on stages, to be assessed by people mm. in a church. I'm, I'm going to fail, like, mm. badly, because mm. I just don't fit the criteria and I had no idea there were no criteria. That's, that's the cruelty, isn't it? Actually, you don't realise that that's what you're being assessed on. No. And then you find you're being assessed on that and then fail horribly. But the question is, do I, do I become then everything, this narrow, tiny, tiny mould? Do I go for that and, and risk being assessed on that and so failing So this is anyway, what we do, okay? So or do we break out? We yeah. go for bland. Right, okay. So because what happens is we're afraid of being too yeah. assertive okay. or too emotional, God forbid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, where she <laughs> talks about the fact that she's been in these high-powered business meetings and cried. I'm like... And breastfed. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, because that's... actually she says that's one of the things it's like if she shows any emotion oh my gosh I'm a, I'm a weepy female you yeah. know so if we're too assertive we're too emotional too sensitive so what we try and aim for is bland mm. in the middle so that we can't immediately be typecast and, and over the years as I've done more ministry I've, I've definitely been ended up in the bubbly female mm. um, uh, category or you're good at giving notices and selling things oh, and I've sat there and thought okay I am mm. because I really, if I'm given notices to do, I will inhabit them. <laughs> I'll do it well. And I will really yes. hopefully mean what I say and I, I will pay care and attention it's to it. It's a great communication, isn't it? Not that you're actually brilliant notices. Yes. <laughs> but actually, oh my goodness. But, but actually you sometimes think, wow, yeah. I've, you know, I've been, so I've actually deliberately stepped out of some things because I thought, oh, I'm being majorly... Okay. you know limited now into being this little thing or that little thing but as a woman you know and now I'm at, you know in my mid-40s and mm. all of a sudden I'm realizing I'm entering a different season where people see me in a different way again and you've really felt that have you yeah and that's good that's not good I think I suddenly realized that I was the oldest woman on stage quite often and people would come up to me and say oh it's so nice to have a mum figure up there <sighs> Nice to see your muffin top. Nice to see someone with what? a muffin top. What? What? Who Can you imagine? Would any man ever have to have this? I love your beer belly. It's a man. <laughs> just love the way it hangs over your belt. It just I love your moves. It's a man. <laughs> it just would never happen. 
so, yes, really. So it's women that say to you, I love your muffins. Yes. Up. And what do you say? If it was back? a man, he would not be currently no, he breathing. Wouldn't be. He wouldn't be. He had to be checked into the local <laughs> hospital very quickly. But, I mean, I mean bless them. I mean, maybe they're saying it because actually they're just loving the fact that it's a woman and they see that. But, but do, you, so, do you speak back and be like, um, did you listen to what I said? So I smile, yes. you know, and you do, don't you, before you go to your, your room and cry excessively and then buy some magic pants online. I'm really huge. Um, but actually, I think, I mean, okay, part of that is that we are constantly given yeah. young, attractive women on stage mm. and that actually perhaps there aren't that many older, and I'm not ancient. No, but, you're not, and but, you're gorgeous. But there but, aren't that yeah. many women perhaps on stage who are... Waif-like. You know, waif-like. who are not waif-like. Mm. Um, and, if, you know, and sometimes they're like, there's the old academic mm. woman who we see maybe who is, mm. you know, brilliant. Um, and I know lots of women actually who are slightly older in ministry who've said they feel totally invisible um, and actually, you know, there are men that age who... Just wouldn't cross their minds. They're, well, they're seen no. as massively mature yes. and experienced. And, yes. you know, we want the arty Kendalls and the yes. whoever, you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, they're 80, they're way yes. part. I mean, what 80-year-old women do you know that it's are being gonna be, wheeled onto main it's stage? Gonna it's going to be us. 40 years time. We're going to be there with our zimmers. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> love you, I love your Maffin crop! <laughs> like this has got to change but it's changed it changes because women choose to stay and be seen when Mm. maybe everything in them goes now should be the time that I kind of wrap myself up and we have to say no no absolutely not but also because we use our platform to to raise and amplify the voice of women who might never get on the platforms in certain areas women with disabilities women from certain backgrounds, women of colour. I mean, I think I know that you are a keen like, campaigner of making sure that all women who've got a calling from God to speak are heard, irrespective of any of that stuff. But you say that as if it's easy to, to do that. But the truth is, I've been fortunate at this point that, you know, I have been given a platform. But what when the people making decisions don't put me mm. on a platform? You know, it's not mm. my decision mm. always to put no, myself, right. you know, you're invited yeah. quite often. Yeah. You know, and I'm not in a position at the moment where I'm leading mm. an organisation or, or get choose, something get choose, who gets yeah. to kind of, you know, and I've been lucky to have been on the leadership team of, of events and festivals where I have been able to say, mm. well, what about this person or that person? And that's been amazing. Mm. But actually, you know, I may not always be in that And if you position. turn down that... that speaking gear it doesn't mean that it'll go to another woman that's the other challenge isn't it I think that because I feel that tension sometimes there have been times when I've said to a, to a church or an organisation can I can I just check that you are inviting other women in yes. as well yeah. um, because if me taking this role means that nobody, you won't look beyond yeah. this but that's, that's challenging isn't it because as you say you have no power over whether they will or not no and it's it is a challenge because you know, in any area, you don't want the kind of positive discrimination mm. that means that... Yes, that no one values. That, yeah. you know, that it's kind of you're only here. Yes. Because, and I know plenty of events I've been invited to because they really were desperate to up their quotas. Mm. But on the other hand, I admire the intentionality mm. around that. Yeah. And the fact that it's they've said somewhere. it's, you know, yeah. it's it really, our kids need to see something yeah. modelled. Yes. You know, they need to see, my daughter's... You know, and one of them started speaking a little bit now. But, you know, I, I'm glad that she's seen people like you mm. and others 
speaking and it's you know and the reason I ever felt called was my first year as a Christian when I went to Spring Harvest and I heard Priscilla Reed speak from Northern Ireland and she is just amazing she's still amazing she's still preaching all over the place and I was blown away and I remember going up to her this kind of young very insecure slightly broken young person but who was captivated yeah. and already I was you know I was doing a degree in PR so I knew I could communicate and bless her heart, she prayed for me, and then days before social media, sent letters, encouraged me, and you know, we're friends on Facebook wow. now, and I see her wow. preach, you know, and I think, I, it was because I had it modelled yes. to me. and you reached out as well and said, I want, can you, can you coach me in a way, can you... Just, can you, you know, yeah. just, I wanted that connection, Amazing. I just wanted that moment of connection with this woman, yes. Yes. who, like, I found so inspirational, and I think it's so important that my daughters... Yes, have that. ...have that in, in seeing women, not just on stages, actually, yeah. but role models in all kinds of areas. Exactly. In science, yes. yeah. in, in, in sports, you know, different areas, yeah. Yeah. whatever, that they've got those role models. And one of the things I do love about you is probably the very things that that, that first church, I'm so grateful that first church didn't employ your husband and you, actually. I'm just so grateful. I, that, I have to tell you, the minister ooh. has apologised. Oh, has you know, oh, okay. We've met him since, and it wasn't his decision. <laughs> it was and their I, loss. Yeah. But I, because when I first met you, I think what I was most attracted to was you laugh loud, you dress <laughs> in ways that, like, express your unique personality. You always look fantastic. Which, which I think just expresses that uniqueness of Kathy Madaban. You have, you have opinions, you have ideas, you've got, got compassion. So I think you and I were raised on girl power, weren't we? I mean, we'll, we'll be the spice Tell me girl. what you want, what you really, yeah, really want. Yeah, I think that was I want, it. I want to really, I really, really want to zig a zig. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look at kind of feminism across, um, I mean, are you a Christian woman that said, would say that feminism, that you seek to define that, and, you know, would that be a word that you would use to talk about yourself at all? Would you say, yeah, I am a feminist, this is how I define it. Like, what's your relationship with... I didn't used to. I wouldn't have... I guess I wasn't really au fait with that word. Maybe having two daughters has kind of really made me think more about it. And then, of course, grappling with my theology of what a woman's place is and, you know, headship and, you know, communication and preaching and leadership. And then I think reading a few books and going, actually, feminism isn't about hating men or about putting men down or you know, creating some kind of torrent of abuse. We don't have to be ranty and horrible. I just want my daughters to have the same opportunities Absolutely. as somebody else's sons. And, and if they're in the same role, to be paid the same amount to do it and to be respected and to be able to continue their careers even if they, they have a family. So, yes, I'm definitely now would... And, in fact, I challenge men and women all the time now yes. to say, oh, I'm not a feminist, I'm going, really? Would yes. you like your daughter to have the same opportunities as your son if you're a parent, you know? Yes. And um, they go, well, yes. I'm going, okay, there Absolutely. we have it. Yeah. Um, so it's not a phrase I would have used in the past, but actually I'm, especially I've got a daughter uh, studying physics surrounded by guys <sighs> who constantly has to assert her her right to be there yeah. and yeah. to, you know, cope with a load of, you know, boys who like playing on FIFA and Dungeons and Dragons yes. and having to find yeah. her own way, you know, in that. And yeah. I'm I'm so proud of her yes. for being a woman, yes. a young woman in that in that place. And I yes, oh yeah, I would definitely go yeah. for that. And I I totally agree with you. I think it is a word that I've as you say, sort of come in and out of love with really. And I think that at the moment when I look at feminism, the way it's developing outside of a faith narrative, I 
there'll be some things that I'm like, I'm absolutely for that, like the pay, make sure the pay gap changes, about ending violence against women, all yeah. of those issues. There'll be other stuff that I think, ah, doesn't, that doesn't quite represent me, a kind of a neoliberalism, that feminism is just about women doing whatever they want, whenever yeah. they want. I can't, I can't buy into that. But I think, I love meeting Christian women that saying, actually, I'm defining this feminism in light of what I know about Christ and who he says that we are. And it is that yes. it's about freedom. It's about the freedom to grab hold of everything that God has made and put in us, our natural talents, our skills, our ambitions, our hopes, our dreams, our failures, like owning that as well. Totally. But then saying, actually, now now that I know that this is all mine to, to hold, I choose to surrender this. And I think I'm so concerned that sometimes in the church, the message to women is, well, you don't know, you don't own yourself anyway. So, so what's the, just give it away to Jesus. Whereas actually, I think Christ says, no, no, this is, yeah. I give you this life, and then and then you choose to willingly lay it down. And I think there's something, there's a beautiful call in 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 Christianity, isn't there? But to there women? still has to be safe space for women. And Absolutely. I think, you know, in the light of Me Too and everything, which is in the Christian church as well. You know, isn't it? Yeah. And, but but even uh, again, I go back to Naomi, who's at university at the moment. It cannot be right, Rachel, that it is expected to be groped in a line at a a nightclub. It cannot be right that when you get into that nightclub, the bouncers will pick on people who are taking glass onto a dance floor, but will do nothing about a girl who is groped Mm. on the dance floor. That's seen Mm. as perfectly... And my daughter has, bless her heart, dragged people, men, drunk men, to the bouncers and asked them to be dealt with and has taken to the police when necessary. Brilliant. But there has got to be spaces, not just in the church, but in society where we are safe to be free. Yes, yes. You know, and I think it's... and, And of course, the church should be the place where that is most free, mm. where mm. we are most safe. And although I have had shockingly difficult um, and very damaging experiences with men, which are too difficult, perhaps, and not the right format right now to talk about, that have massively shaped my life, I've also seen the best of men, you know, in, in the church. And, and I'm very thankful to the men who have been prepared to mentor me mm. and prepared to travel alone with me and who've been prepared to perhaps put themselves in situations which some men wouldn't, yes. you know, yes. in order to encourage me and to serve alongside me because yes. if they hadn't... Yes. And some of those guys, you know, have just been... There's never even been a shadow no. of a hint of anything no. inappropriate. I felt so safe to be free. Yes, yes. Because there's been none of that... Maybe that's one of the only advantages of getting older, age. <laughs> You're not leered at anymore. I don't know. But oh, when you, know. you are, it's like oh, well done for trying. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> that's when the mumsy comes out, isn't it? <laughs> or the slap. I mean, I do it at the moment now. I I have developed the absolute evil stare because Ooh. I also have got to the age where walking on a train carriage in the underground, I'm not ogled at, but I totally spot when the girl next to me is. <laughs> I sit next to her and I just give evils to the guys and these poor girls like who are you like I'm protecting you I am your guardian angel but it is just like for goodness sake just go back to your phone like play whatever it is Fortnite whatever it is stop on her because I think you're right I call it out yeah although I have to say I was walking on Instagram the other day with a very with not a very short skirt kind of summery skirt in the heat and my bag was like banging against my leg and because it was doing that my skirt was just like riding cross up, body and bags and skirts and I hadn't realised so, it and I walked along the platform field. and looked back across the platform and always watching me and I was like I've still got it oh no where did that thought <laughs> come from like that's just like I like I took a little bow <laughs> and 
the train came in. But I think you're right. I think it's it, absolutely, it's terrifying how, I mean, backwards is probably not the right word because actually there was never a, a brilliant time where it was better, but actually no. what, the, what young girls are having to face today, the sexualisation of yeah. these spaces is just terrifying. Actually, we've got to be speaking out. And we've got that. to make sure that in our churches and our conferences that there isn't only, uh, yes, you only know, one model. Happens, and that yeah. women aren't um, accessories. Yes. So it's not just that the females are backing vocalists, yeah, that they're absolutely. also the worship leaders, yeah. or that they're not just the, you know, assistants. And one of the sad things is, although there's loads of progress in, in clergy of, of, of women, um, often still the bigger churches, mm. you know, women are not being no, asked to lead those mm. and in fact there was a bit of research done recently in the baptist denomination which is led by a woman you know mm. and a brilliant woman and um you know it's been it's a great denomination for women in many ways but actually often the research is saying that it's smaller churches even really struggling churches mm. that would be most open to um having a women minister and and often they're the ones who end up presiding over the failure mm. of this church and it gets attributed to them you know and it's a whole vicious cycle isn't it's it, a bit then? of a yes and yeah, um, perhaps it would be good if we could you know see some women moving into I mean just as we say oh there's only like three percent of women leading fortune 500 companies whatever they are yeah. well I, I'm not sure what those stats are on say churches of 200 plus members but that's they, interesting that's you know work. <clears throat> it needs to be done isn't it yeah we're still not seeing that happen no, not seeing the we will there. I think yeah. we will and it doesn't always equate that a denomination be- believes in women leadership and that translates into women then being in significant roles I no. think that's a blind spot but I tell you what I, I realise that we're, I'm coming towards the end of, uh, of my time to be able to interview no. you our time is coming to the end <laughs> and um, obviously I get to access Kathy Badabad on her lovely sofa with her lovely mild grey rug there it's um, an ikea it's two pounds it's, it's, it's all right it's beautiful yeah. it's beautiful <laughs> i love your home it's gorgeous but not everybody's allowed to come and like use your loo and like write messages on the toilet come on roll. over folks so how, how can people access a bit of Kathy madaban so you tell us about a book that you've written or stuff that you're doing yeah i think probably my best known books digging for diamonds Brilliant. but i've Brilliant. just written a little book through the book of james called living on purpose which is i'm thrilled with it actually mm. it's really really great but if they check out kathymadavan.com which sounds very grandiose yeah, great. but it's just we my little website we will check out kathymadavan.com <laughs> um, or on Facebook or yeah. Twitter or Instagram whatever I, I, it's you know it's an honour isn't it to mm. just keep in touch with different people and yeah. to cheer them on however you can yeah. so it, you know it's great to speak with you and to connect with different Aww. people I think this project's awesome oh brilliant and if there was if, I guess some people listening to this it might be younger women it might be older women who are saying actually I really feel God's called me to speak to like to preach to teach to you know communicate within church outside of a church setting but I but where do I start like what, give us some top tips what would, what would you say to somebody who's wanting to get their voice heard a bit more Practice, 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 practice on small groups. Don't look at main stage something and go, how do I get on there? Start speaking to your old women's group. Start yeah. speaking to your youth group. Start leading small group sessions. And um, practice and edit and practice and get feedback. Mm. It's so <gasps> critical. That Find is, someone yeah. and it doesn't have to be another woman. No. If there isn't one available, you mm. know, get some good feedback about how you not just speak, but how you connect with people so that your eyes are mm. connecting and your body's connecting and that you're really engaging with people rather than just giving information at them. So there's, you know, it's an exciting thing for women because we're great communicators, mm. women, naturally, mm. often. Um, 
but making that step from talking one-to-one on a stage, many women are really scared of. Um, but actually, the potential's huge. Just got to maybe find those small first steps and get feedback and keep going. Yeah, brilliant. And it's just, it's communicating, but with just a few more people, isn't it? So, yeah. Kathy, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Now go and make me a cup of tea, darling. <laughs> <laughs> get ready. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy of The Girl Deconstruction Project by Rachel Gardner, you can order it now at the Youthscape store, www.youthscape.co.uk slash store. Uh, it's priced £12.99 and published by Hodder. However, you can also win a copy uh, if you happen to be listening uh, when these podcasts go out for the first time. Uh, we are running a competition all this week uh, to win one of five delightful goodie bags, including a copy of the book uh, and a glorious limited edition Courage necklace. Uh, and you can get your hands on a cop- on one of those uh, by uh, emailing podcast at youthscape.co.uk with your answer to the question, what is one piece of advice that you would love to hand on to uh, girls, teenage girls growing up in the UK today? Uh, that, so that's, uh, that's podcast at youthscape.co.uk. But as well as this podcast this week, did you know that every Monday we release a Youthscape podcast where we interview a fantastic guest from around the world of youth ministry? And uh, you can get that for free. You can go to iTunes or you can download it from the Youthscape store, which is youthscape.co.uk forward slash podcast. (laughs) 